0: we're going to pray we're going to pray for four things we're going to pray for for god's peace in our world we're going to pray for those that um, are the poor the widow the orphan for those that are experiencing injustice Um, we're going to pray for all those who seek god and we're going to pray for one another as well all right so and i'm not going to give a lot of guidance but i'm just going to lead us in so i'm going to say let us pray for and then um when we're done, after a short period of time, I will pray and say, Lord, in your mercy, and the response is, hear our prayers, okay? So, so let's begin. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for, for goodwill among nations, for the well-being of all people, even more for the peace that passes understanding when we set our hearts and mind on Jesus. Pray around your tables for peace. Um, we are surrounded, Lord, by, by war, um, by, by anxiety, by, by division, by strife, um, and God, in the end, you the creator of all things, you're the one who really understands true love, you're the only one who can bring peace uh, into all of this, and so we pray, God, that you would move and move through us to bring peace into this world, Lord, in your mercy, amen. Yeah. So let's pray for the poor, the widow, the orphan, for those that are oppressed, imprisoned, and justly um, born or unborn, for all life. Just pray for justice. Thank you. Lord, we live in a world of injustice, a world um, where people suffer unnecessarily, where some have all and many have none. Um, and God, help us to, to to play our part, to be your representatives in the midst of all this, to share the blessings that you've given us internally and externally, uh, to speak truth with love into all situations and circumstances, uh, to, to power and to those not in power. God, and would you bring your, your your justice to this earth we pray in jesus name lord in your mercy let let's now pray for all those who seek god uh, or desire a deeper knowledge of him lord would you give us boldness and courage as your people, as your children, as your body, to, to both demonstrate uh, in love and speak out the truth of who you are to those around us so that those who are seeking after you can find you. We also pray, God, for more of the stories that I've been hearing of, of supernatural encounters with you. God, that your spirit would reveal to them your truth your presence your love the freedom that you offer them lord in your mercy yeah and finally let's pray for one another. if you have a particular need and you would like prayer why don't you go ahead and stand and others around the table gather around those people lay hands on them and pray for them and do the same at home as well anybody want prayer please stand Go ahead and gather around them and lay hands on them and pray for them. And also while you're praying, pray for our body as well. Lord, thank you for your love for everyone who stood today and everyone who asked for requests and didn't. Um, Thank you that you know what we need um, often, even before we do. Uh, help us to be attentive to you and ready to receive whatever it is that you want to give us. Help us to keep our focus and our eyes on you in the midst of all that we are wrestling and struggling with. And, I'm, and not just as individuals or families, but as a body as well. God, guide us, lead us, and deliver us, we pray. Um, in Jesus' name, Lord, in your mercy. Yeah, great. Thank you for indulging my desire to pray. Could I get some people to help put some chairs in the front? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to. We're gonna talk about Hagar today. Dave Day's gonna talk, and I'm gonna tell this story. So listen to this. This is the best. Not right there. I, I want to sit down with him. Um, I. This is the best. Uh, this is the Bible reading for today. I'm not gonna read the scripture. I'm gonna tell the story. <laughs> so here's the funny thing. I, I edited it, but. I, uh, I, I've been playing around with chat, GVT, and I said, hey, chat, tell me the story of Hagar like I'm a, like I'm a child. And this is more or less what they came up with. So anyway, but I, I agree. Don't worry. I, I, I checked it to make sure it was accurate. I just thought I'd share that just for fun. So, yeah. it's, uh, it's an AI that will answer questions for you and write stories, and it's read everything on the Internet. Edward yeah, writes term papers too. Don't say that. <laughs> hey, that I, I, all the professors are completely aware that that's the reality of what's going on right now. So they're, they have ways to work around it. You know, yeah, boy, it's fun. So do you do you guys know who Hagar is? Hagar, Hagar? Is that name ring a bell? Yeah, we learned about him in, in the Bible We
1: didn't know about him at first, but then Daddy told us.
0: Breakfast. Oh, Daddy told you at breakfast. <laughs> okay, what did Daddy tell you about Hagar at breakfast? Uh,
1: Hagar. Okay. So, uh, so
0: I, it's, ha- it's hard to remember? Or uh, One thing.
1: Sarah were really old and they wanted a child. Yeah. And God said...
0: Oh, here, why don't you just tell the story? <laughs> So Abraham and Sarah were very old.
1: And Abraham and God was... Is
0: is the mic on? The wireless mic? Can you put the wireless mic on? Got it? Okay, try again. Abraham and and
1: Sarah, they were very old. They were very old and... They
0: wanted to have a child.
1: And they wanted to have a child. God said, I'll give you a lot of kids. And so Abraham tried to build... A kid with Hagar, his servant, and it worked, but that wasn't God's plan. Then Sarah gave birth, and then that was God's plan. And then Hagar made um, fun of Sarah because she got her child first, Mm -hmm. and so she ran away with Abraham's baby, and... Baby, and because she bullied uh, Sarah, and Sarah got mad and chased her away, and she went into the desert, and they were gonna die, her baby, and she her, and so she went and and um thought, and she thought maybe if I don't hear my baby cry, maybe we'll just. Angel appeared and said, um, "I will give you water." And a well appeared. Mm-hmm. And then the angel went back to heaven, and, they, and she got some water for the baby and her. <laughs> hey, let's go home. All right, that's good.
0: I'm dropping the mic. And, isn't that what they do? It's really great. Good job. You listen really well to your dad, don't you? Yeah. Good job there. Uh, Zach, you want to come up and teach this? So anyways, this is great. You guys are right. So there was a man and a woman um, named Abraham and, and his wife Sarah, and they had a servant named Hagar, right? And the story goes, God made a promise to Sarah and Abraham that they would have children, but that seemed impossible because they were really, really old, like older than your grandparents. What
1: are all those
0: balloons for? What? What are all those balloons for? Oh, what are all the balloons for? They're for a a party. So, yes. So so they were too old. They felt like they were too old, and they felt like it was too hard to wait. So Sarah had an idea, and the idea was. Here she said, "Abraham, why don't you take my servant and have a baby with her?" So they made a baby. I'll let your parents tell you about how that happened. So. so when Hagar became pregnant, right? She she started treating Sarah badly. There was bad, there was bad, there was just they were they were they were not treating each other very well, and and Sarah didn't like Hagar either, so she started to mistreat Hagar, so Hagar ran away right? She ran into the desert, right? Yeah. Um, And in the desert, an angel of the Lord found Hagar and stopped her and told her, go back, right? Go back to Abraham and Sarah. And he told her that God would bless her with many children. It's the same thing he told Abraham that he was going to have many children too. Um, But he also told her, funny, did your dad tell you this? He told her that she was to name her son Ishmael. And do you know what Ishmael means? Means God hears. Isn't that cool? So, so, so she was going to have a boy named God hears, right? Um, so she went back and she had a had her baby, um, and he was raised as the son of Abraham and Sarah, right? And some years later, God came back and told Abraham again that he and Sarah would have a son. Do you know how old Abraham was when that happened? Did your dad tell you that? He was almost 100 years old. So he was about to die probably? Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. He was probably pretty close to dying, right? Um, and Sarah, his wife, was 90. And so you know what Abraham did? He laughed at God.
1: That's not good.
0: No. So, but God, you know what God said? He said, okay, Abraham, I want you to name your son. When he comes, he laughed. He laughed that's his name he laughed or we call him Isaac right so so and it happened Sarah at 90 and Abraham at 100 had a baby and they named their son he laughed Um, and when Sarah finally had her own child she she became jealous of Hagar and it and and uh, and God hears or Ishmael and Sarah told Abraham to send them away so he did that's the story, right? So Hagar and Ishmael were all alone in the desert. They walked and walked until they ran out of water. And Hagar was so scared for her son that she, she, um, she thought he was going to die. But an angel appeared to Hagar, and the angel told her not to be afraid because God was watching over her and her son. The angel showed Hagar a well of water, and they were saved, right? And God promised that Ishmael would become a great nation and Hagar would have a lot of, a lot of children And Hagar was comforted by this. And they returned to the land of Canaan where they lived the rest of their lives. That's a big story, isn't it? Yeah. You guys are great listeners. So go ahead and go back to your table. It's... Do you mean... So Dave Day is actually going to speak on this, on Hagar, the story of Hagar. And I, I like... Uh, his perspective on it. So is it ready to go? Great. Just be, as you're listening, thinking of questions you might ask. I have a few for us to discuss around around tables at the end when it's all over. So.
2: Good morning, everybody, to FCBC. Sorry I can't be with you in person. I hope one day that can be remedied. But as you watch this, I'm going to be in India. There'll be four of us, Re and two other friends are going to India. We're doing some leadership training, looking at some of the projects that as a charity we run. And uh, when you're watching this, I'll be in a place called Siligri, up near Darjeeling on the Northwest side of India, very near the Nepal, Tibet, Burma border. Very interesting crossroads of life happens around there we're looking at people from Genesis. And today we're looking at the story of Hagar. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, please take time to read from Genesis 15 to 21, where you'll read in more detail the story about this very interesting woman. Now, to understand anything of Hagar, we need to understand the context in which she was living. And just briefly, Abraham was the patriarch. And God had said to Abraham in Genesis 15, he said, you're gonna have descendants and I'm gonna bless them and they will fill the earth. Now, Abraham and Sarah were getting on and he found it a bit hard to believe. And in Genesis 15, we read of how God, what they called cut a covenant to prove it to him, to confirm to him that this was gonna happen. And I can just imagine, Abraham and Sarah sitting down thinking, you know, God has said, we're gonna have descendants. And yet they were getting on, they were elderly and nothing was happening. And so Sarah did what wasn't unusual in the culture and the context of the day. She said, look, Abraham, God has said, God has made a promise. There's a prophecy, but it's not happening. We could help it happen. Why don't you take my servant, Hagar, sleep with her? And it might well be that God's prophetic word is fulfilled through you and Hagar and her child. And so that's what they did. Abraham slept with Hagar, she became pregnant. And immediately Hagar, this servant girl from Egypt, started to feel a bit superior and... um, a bit proud, you know, she'd been chosen. She could be the one who could bring God's promises into being. And so things were fairly tense as she started to even look down a bit on Sarah. And so she got kicked out. She was expelled. She ran away. And as she was running, um, perhaps in real confusion, I'm pregnant. Uh, it looked as though God was using me to fulfill his word. I've been um, kicked out by my boss, Sarah. And she's in this confused, frightened, delicate state. And God comes along. And the angel of the Lord comes to her in Genesis 16. And, you know, have you ever found God sometimes asks questions that you know he knows the answer to? And here the angel of the Lord comes to Hagar and says, Where have you come from? And where are you going? Now he would have known that. But God sometimes I think asks us questions where the answer is so obvious, be like Jesus saying to the blind man, what do you want? Sometimes God wants us to voice what is really on our heart. And here she is, she's concerned, she's consumed, she's a bit overwhelmed, but she encounters the God who hears and she says, look, I've seen the God who sees. And so she goes back, she's sent back. And then God appears to Abraham again and says, you and Sarah are gonna have a child. In 12 months time, it's gonna happen. And when Sarah heard this, she said to Abraham, you've got to be joking but God wasn't. And 12 months later, Isaac was born. And Ishmael, who was now 13, a young teenager, and I'm sure we all know what young teenage boys are like, he sees this baby born. Is he gonna usurp his place? Is he gonna lord it over him? And he starts looking down on him, being mean to him. And so, Hagar's kicked out again. Now, what is this story all about? There's certain things that I see, certain principles that I'd just like to highlight for you to think about and uh, maybe discuss. One is um, we've got to interpret scripture with an understanding of the culture in which it was written. You see, as I said, for Sarah to say to Abraham, you take her, you make love to her, you have a baby with her. In the culture, it was the right thing. And we need to be able to interpret scripture in the context of understanding the culture, but sit, interpret scripture with what people call a Christocentric, a Christ-centered approach to it. Now, James Ewing just last week, um, he sent a message around quoting William Branham. And he said, everything a Christian thinks, says, and does must agree with scripture. And I think that's a great provocative saying that we would all say amen to. But sometimes if we don't understand the nuances of scripture, we can not see how God will use those scriptures to actually shape our lives. You see, I can't say, well, it was good enough for Abraham. It's good enough for me. I can't say to any barren couple in the church, well, Abraham did this. Why don't you try it? There were lots of other cultural things that were acceptable. You know, when David was getting old and he was very cold at night, they found a nice young woman to go and sleep with him. Now, again, we need to interpret some of the cultural contexts into um, how we see Jesus expressed in scripture. Often, especially as there's been so much talk about same-sex marriage, I hear Christians say to me, We've got to get back to a biblical view of marriage. And we would all say amen to that. And yet, sometimes we can be naive in not thinking, well, what actually is a Christian view of marriage? You see, the Old Testament view of marriage is that a man took a woman into a tent and the next morning they were married. There were other things that we would say, well, culturally, that is not right. Um, If a man raped a woman, he should marry her. If a woman didn't have children and her husband died, her brother was to take her. So there are lots of ways that scripture in the culture and context of the time expresses itself, that we need the Holy Spirit to help us interpret. What does that mean for us today? And what I see in this story is here were some people who knew God had spoken, knew God had prophesied, but the waiting period became too long. Have you done that? I know I have. God has spoken and we expect an instant answer. God has spoken and we can't understand why nothing's happening. God has spoken, so do I help God along? Because I'm sure he needs my help. A bit like when David, when it was prophesied that he would be king, it was a long, long time and a time of hardship Running for his life, being a fugitive, going through all sorts of things before that was fulfilled. And David must have gone through the process of thought that Abraham did. Did God really say it? Is this right? Um, did I imagine it? And I think sometimes as people, we can lose sight of what God has said to us because the waiting period isn't what we bargain for. A bit like Joseph. God spoke very clearly when he was young that his brothers would bow down to him. And yet the opposite seemed to happen. They got rid of him. He was enslaved, he was imprisoned. And there was a long, long period when you must have thought, was I imagining that? Did God really say it? And for us, the tension can be, sometimes God speaks and we become impatient we lose sight of it. Someone once said that God is never ever late, but he does miss a lot of opportunities to be early. And that was Abraham's thought. God has spoken, but I've waited so long and we're at the stage now, you know, in in our nineties, we're past it. But all through it all, with all the doubts and with all the mistakes, there was something in Abraham that he held on to God, because when God spoke way back in Genesis 15, it said that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So he was in the conflict and the mistakes he held on to something. And I pray that if for any of us, God has spoken his word, even if it seems to be a long, long wait, even if it seems that um we've missed out somehow that we can hold on to something that we believe God has spoken. Because as it says in Amos, God will watch over his word to perform it. And there'll be some of us here and we've had prophecies and maybe with choices we've made, maybe with the frustration of waiting, we think we've lost it. And I believe in a God who rekindles out of mistakes because this was a mistake. This was a mistake and you would have thought God could have said, I'll look elsewhere. I'll try and fulfill my purposes through someone else. But God repeats his word. And even Hagar who, if you like, was the, the expression of the mistake and was used in that mistake. God comes to her and says, Hagar, you're gonna have many children. You're gonna be a mother of nations. And even with the mistakes that were processed, God comes because God is bigger than mistakes that we've made. And I trust that that is a lesson for each of us. Because if you're like me, you'll have made many mistakes. If you're like me, you'll have made mistakes and we think we've blown it. We'll never get it sorted out. But God does not judge us on our mistakes. But if we let him, he can use the mistakes to shape us. Now, what I believe does happen is we do reap what we sow. And I don't think that is judgment. I think that is a part of God's eternal principle. Abraham reaped something. And the sowing was another nation. The sowing was um, bitterness, battles, wars. that. The consequence of what he sowed were reaped and are painful and are still being reaped today. But it's not God's judgment. It's the principle that what I do will have an effect because I will reap what I sow. But God can redeem my mistakes and he can put me on the path again. And here's Hagar. And and again, she's running for her life. She's frightened. She's in despair. And God comes along to her. God has grace in our mistakes. God works in spite of our dysfunctionality. Now, one of the perversely encouraging things in scripture is that so, so many people that God used come from imperfect families. Abraham and Sarah, I can just imagine some of the tension when uh, the first time around, when there was no baby coming, Sarah starts to blame God. And when Hagar gets pregnant, she starts to blame Abraham. There's the tension. There's often tensions going on. There's no family that's perfect, which I'm grateful about. And sometimes in the church, we expect a bit more perfection from some than is realistic. Now, God doesn't condone the imperfection, but what he does is he uses the imperfect so that something can be shaped that brings glory to his name. One of the challenges too that I've got from this story is um, if Abraham would have had the patience to wait, would the course of history been changed? Would Ishmael have been born? Would a nation at, that, at times proved to be contentious? Would that have happened? It is hard to wait. Paul tells us, doesn't he, that uh, perseverance works character and character hope. And Paul says, look, sometimes we've just got to hang on in there. Sometimes we've just got to hold on to what has been said. And it is difficult because we live in a day and age where people want instant gratification, instant relief from pain, instant relief from heartache, commitment is, Less valued than it was. And we see that expressed in so, so many ways. But Paul says perseverance works character and character hope. And I know I will have said it before, but I do think hope is the ingredient that we all need to see as being vital in our message as Christians. I believe that as a Christian, I'm a bringer of hope, a purveyor of hope. And again, you'll have heard this before, but my definition of poverty is not the absence of money, but it's the absence of hope. And Paul says, if we can be patient, if we can persevere, if we can hold on to what we believe God is saying, even if it is difficult, that will shape something of Christ in your character, and that brings hope. And I can't answer the question, if Abraham would have waited, would the course of history been different? I think it possibly could. But I need to know that if God has spoken to me, I can hold on to that. And it is that tension of how much do I just let God do his work and how much do I help God? And like me, you've probably had prophecies, God giving you an idea of something of your purpose, your life, your call. Now, if God has called me to be a teacher, I don't just sit in a room and wait for revelation to drop. I need to study, I need to read, I need to learn, I need to learn from people. So I've got a response and responsibility to what God has said, but it's a fine balance. And sometimes it's a hard balance to get right. Because Abraham went with Hagar, and that seemed to be a mistake. Now, when the angel of the Lord said, you know, in 12 months time, you're gonna have a son, uh, what did Abraham and Sarah do in three months time? I bet they made love. Now, was it helping God? Because it never talked, it talked about a child to them. So, my thought of action could take many routes at this point, but did they help God fulfill his word? and what was different from the first time around. And we need the wisdom to say, if God has spoken to me, how do I handle what is said? And how do I know what is my response to what he has said? And therefore, what am I responsible for? God is responsible for his word, but I'm responsible for letting it take root in me. And can I hold on to God enough, not to feel that I've got to do all of God's work for him? But can I honestly, with God, let him um, shape that word and so that I can respond to it. We next read of Hagar very, very briefly in Galatians chapter four. And the book of Galatians is this context contest. You see, Paul has been preaching a gospel of grace. We don't deserve it. And I suppose what this story tells me is that the goodness of God in bringing Isaac, it wasn't a deserved thing. It wasn't that Abraham and Sarah were so perfect. It was just the goodness of God. And that was the message of the gospel that Paul preached. You know, we didn't deserve salvation. God in his richness and his mercy came to us and gave us life and hope and forgiveness and eternity. But what he found is He preached that, he built churches on it, but then he moved away and some very religious people came in bringing all all the laws. You've got to do it. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other, otherwise God won't bless. And in Galatians 4, Paul said, look, Hagar is an example of that. Hagar is this epitome of doing things in your own strength, to fulfil God's law rather than let the grace of God do his work. And so Paul says, look, there were two sons. One's a child of a slave, Ishmael. The other is a child of promise, Isaac. And so the last we read of Hagar is, um, she had come to represent how our mistakes can sometimes lead us away from the grace of God. But what I see in this story is that running through it all was the grace of God. The grace of God for Hagar, a servant, a slave, probably no possessions, no hope. And God, even using the mistakes that were made, gave her a child, children, a nation, and saw her and heard her and came alongside her and promised her about her future. That is God's grace. Abraham and Sarah, they made a mistake. And Ishmael was born, but God's grace comes back and God's promise comes back and overrides physical possibilities. And Isaac is born the child of promise. And I want to learn to live life increasingly walking in God's goodness and God's grace. Because what I find is that if I can live in God's grace, then maybe I will make less mistakes but maybe I'll be a person who can bring hope to those who need it. And so that's some thoughts on the life of Hagar. One of the wonderful things about reading passages is you'll probably read the same passage and think of entirely different things, which are every bit as valid as what I've said. But to me, it's a story of grace that we've got a God who works in spite of our mistakes and redeems us from our mistakes. Thank you. Bye.
0: So now around our tables, there are three questions I'm going to have us discuss. I will, with the help of um, Doug or whoever's over there, write these up. But the first one, the simple one, as we've been going through Genesis, you know, kind of the big idea of Genesis as a whole is that it um, it tells us things about who God is, right? doesn't... A lot of the things it talks about it doesn't tell us exactly how things happen, but it gives us the, an, uh, an insight into the character of who God is. So what do you learn about God? Um, and it also gives us an insight to the world and how it works. And so the, what do you learn about God and what do you learn about the world through the story of Hagar? So go ahead and discuss it around your table. I'm going to go ahead and write up the other questions and put them on an uh, overhead. Okay, so I, you can keep talking about that if you're on something, but just stop for a minute. I'm going to add another question if you have exhausted that one. And the next two are actually related, so I'll just show them both at the same time. Um, so, so in this, how did the message speak to you personally or even to our church body? Um, and then related to that, is there a situation in your life where you're struggling to trust God right now? You you have been, or you're tempted to take matters into your own hands. Okay, so those are the two. How does this speak to you, or to us as a body? And is there a situation in your life where you're struggling to trust God? Um, and you can even talk about what is the place, what in this in this reality, what's our part in these places where we're frustrated, and what's God's part? So. more discussion. That's all. This is an open-ended discussion. So. So how does it speak to you personally or to us as a body? If you can add that. So there's a lot here to talk about, right? Cause there's probably a lot of areas in all of our lives when, when there's, it feels like hope deferred. There are things we long to see. And they're not happening. You can talk about our own individual lives, members of our family, um, even our body as a whole. Like, how long have we been in this process? When is it going to be over with God? Where are we into the promised land, right? In the next season, the the space you have for us, the leaders you want to raise up. But but in the midst of all that, there's this command to wait, right? And place our trust in the Lord, which is not easy. Um, For that, we really need God's help. So I'm going to read a verse to you and then I want you just to briefly to someone in your table, just one person, just to pray for the ability to wait and trust in God's uh, promises and his direction and leading. So this is the verse, of course, this one will make sense. It's an interesting word uh, in Hebrew. I it, They translate it, uh, hope, uh, wait, trust, all right? So, and it says... Um, those who trust, wait on the Lord will renew their strength, right? That's Isaiah 40. So, so, um, so, right, so Lord, help us to place our trust and hope in you as we move forward. Help us to support and encourage each other in the midst of all that. Now, someone around your table, pray, just to close your time together.